One of the best parts about hiring virtual assistant is you do have the opportunity to bring in multiple people in their zone of genius. So for example, one of the designers that I work with the most, like she's kind of my primary, she has myself and two other ladies. How can a virtual assistant help you with your interior design business? We are going to find out today with Brittany Elms. Have you hit a wall when it comes to growing your interior design business? Then welcome to Wingnut Social, the podcast specifically designed to accelerate your business through increased social media presence, impactful online content, and translating industry experience into physical success. This is your design business tightly fastened. Now welcome the hosts of Wingnut Social, Darla Powell and Natalie Graff. Hey there, and welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast. I'm your host, the Grand High Poobah of all things Wingnut, and I'm joined by the soulless ginger, the nag. Ah, yes, you forgot crime-fighting giraffe, all that good stuff. Crime-fighting giraffe, I say, for special occasions. Oh, today's not special. Every day is special with you. Ah. Natalie, I have some exciting news. Oh, boy. I've lost five pounds on my tequila diet. Well, I don't... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Not really sure if I uh, think it's the tequila diet. You might of course just it have is. stopped eating Little Debbie cakes because you used have, to eat a lot of Little Debbie cakes. I have cut back way back on the Little Debbie cakes, but I am having a nip or two of tequila here and there, and that doesn't seem to be holding me back. Five yeah. pounds. You want to know how I know you have tequila when I'm gone? <laughs> how? Because the bottle's not back where it belongs. It's out on the counter. Oh, God. It's pulled up. It's Nag. pulled away. It's pulled away from the backsplash. And I was like, oh, I came in last night from soccer practice at nine o'clock. Nag. And I'm like, hey, how was your tequila? She's Nag. like, how'd you know? I'm like, because the bottle's missing. Why are you all up in my business? I'm just saying. Why you got to worry about what I do? Hey. <laughs> anywho. I, I joined you uh, any, as soon as I got home. <laughs> anywho, the road to high point is down five pounds. I have goals, man. When you have a deadline and you're going to speak in front of interior designers who are dressed to the nines and have personal trainers and work out every day, <laughs> you have to make an effort. I miss you, little Debbie. Okay, speaking of road to high point, Natalie, let's do some housekeeping. Housekeeping. Ding dong. Well, let's talk about a little bit before High Point, and that's actually the day before we leave. You are going to be in Broward. Did you know that? Do you remember that? I do remember that for the Risa talk. Yes, the Risa Edge talk for home stagers. It's called Stagers in Paradise, and it's going to be Wednesday, October 16th. Well, we are in Paradise. We are. And where is that? This is going to be in Fort Lauderdale. Fort Lauderdale, yeah. So if you guys are in the Florida area, Miami-Dade County or Broward County or Monroe County or what's after Broward? Mm, Broward. <laughs> call Palm your, Beach. Call your Palm Beach. Yeah, come yeah. swing on down and uh, hear me make a fool of myself. In front oh, of... I doubt you will. I doubt you'll do that. Well, you might, but I doubt it. I think I've made a career of it. I think it's part of my brand. Probably. But all of this information will be in the show notes, so you guys can click on that link there in the show notes and uh, register. You have to register. That's going to be really fun. Those lovely ladies called me to see if I wanted to be a keynote speaker. And remember, I had a little identity crisis. I'm like, are you sure you have the right number? But we're going to do it. I remember that. And then we are actually going to stay in Fort Lauderdale that night so we can go to the cocktail hour. Mm, (laughs) Important priorities, people. Priorities. But hey, did you know that it's only five minutes from Fort Lauderdale Airport? And then we're getting on a plane to High Point where we're going to meet Nicole on Thursday night and have dinner and hang out. Nicole, who? 
Nicole Freakenheimer. Nicole Freakenheimer. No. I thought it's Nicole Senior, really. Nicole Senior, yeah. as, as compared to Nicole Junior, who's Nicole O'Dwyer. <laughs> we have Junior, we have Senior, and Junior. You know, we make it more fun. That Why way. are we going to High Point, Natalie? Get to the point. We're going to High Point because you and Senior are chatting at Shonda Rugs, mm-hmm. also sponsored by Mydoma. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm going to work on the whiskey there. I'm going to send Ravi an email. What time now. is that? What day is um, that? Natalie? That would be Saturday the 19th at two o'clock. Okay, you know this is a podcast, right? I do. Okay, all right. Just words matter. Oh. Well, you know, <laughs> words have escaped me. I have a scopade. Uh, wait, wait, I have a wait, on my words. Wait. You said escaped. I said that es- is a high crime and misdemeanor in my grammatical world. And if it offends me, Do you, you know, me to say exclamation mark. Oh too? God, no! You know it's offending Jerry Cerruti. <laughs> well, escaped. Escape. Escape. Okay. Well, I don't know if Jerry's still alive. She don't text me no more. She don't love me. Last time we were in High Point, it was standing room only. You guys head over to the website. What's the website, Nat, to register for the High Point Talk? I didn't write that down. <sighs> See, people, what I'm dealing with here. It is not an easy... I know that it'll be in the show notes. Okay, guys, if you want to head over to the High Point Talk on October 19th at 2 p.m. at Shonda Rugg, sponsored by Madoma with me and Nicole Heimer, please head over to events.mydomastudio.com slash social media. You can RSVP there, and it was standing room only last time, so make sure we have a butt warmer reserved with your name on it. A butt warmer. Why is this chair going to warm your butt? Don't they all eventually? And if you're interested in attending the Risa Edge Stagers in Paradise Talk on October 16th, all you have to do is march your little fingers over to com. You can look at the speakers there and register, and that should be pretty successful. Last event they had, uh, they were telling me they had quite a few people show up. It's a pretty big deal. Natalie, today we're all talking about virtual assistants, and I got to be 100% transparent and real. Brittany and I have had conversations in the past. I remember hearing her on Luann Nigera's A Well-Designed Business Podcast and thought, this was before we hired full-time, our lead designer. And I thought, man, this is a good idea, a virtual assistant. But I couldn't quite, I don't know what it, I had like a, a mental block. I couldn't quite wrap my head around having an assistant that wasn't physically here to be hands-on, boots on the ground. So we're going to talk to her today about, a little bit about the logistics of how that works, how hiring a virtual designer can help you with your business, how super easy it has to be working with one that I just, that mental deficit of mine just can't get get past and how it can help you with your design business if you're ready to hire maybe this is a bridge maybe this is a first step Possibly. or maybe if you already have employees like we do maybe it's an add-on it's a subcontracting kind of add-on step we're going to find out more about that and how it can help your interior design business and how you can add to your services or shape up your quality of the design that you're putting out so we're going to dig in to that with her but first if you guys are unfamiliar with who Brittany Elms is Let me acquaint y'all just a little bit right here. Brittany Elms is the founder of My Design Assistant, a virtual assistant agency that helps interior designers with their various business needs with a primary focus on floor plans, renders, sourcing, and procurement. Ooh, she sources. I think I remember that. That would be very helpful, actually. After working as an in-house design assistant for a local design firm for over a year... Brittany decided to start her own company to provide other interior designers with these services. Her primary goal is to help interior designers feel more confident in their firm with more freedom to focus on developing a business of their dreams. I like it. Sounds nice. Help me in welcoming Brittany Elms to the Wingnut Social Podcast. Hey there, Brittany Elms. Welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast. How the hell are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. 
Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for joining us today on the Wingnut Social Podcast. I was telling everybody that you and I have had conversations before, and I let them know my little brain barriers and my little brainstorms, which we're going to get into later. But first of all, what I wanted to ask you, okay, you had a year of experience working with an interior design business, and then you decided to just screw this. I'm going to go off and start my own virtual design assistant company really quickly. Just tell me a little bit about the thinking behind that. What launched that for you? Yeah, absolutely. So I was working for her for a year and I actually continued to work with her when I started the business. So the designer I was working with was local. She was completely aware of my decision to start the business. And the reason behind it was she hadn't had an assistant for quite some time. They just never worked out. And so she was kind of scared to bring anybody on. And as luck could have it, I just had my son and I needed a change in my situation because I didn't want to go back to the same full-time work that I was doing and she was needing help because she was getting busier. So she brought me on and then realized having an assistant was a little bit more expensive than she had remembered. And she wasn't quite prepared (laughs) to have me on as many hours as she had planned. So she asked if it would be okay to reduce my hours. And being that I had a little one at home, I was pretty okay with that. But then, you know, quickly realized that we kind of still needed that income coming in. And I had been listening to Luann's podcast because when I had started working with this designer, I realized I knew absolutely nothing about interior design. Like I knew what I saw on HGTV and that was about it. And so we'd be doing these cabinet walkthroughs and electrical walkthroughs. And they'd be saying all these terms that I would had no idea what they meant. So I'd be writing the terms at the top of the page. So I could go back and research them later and trying as much as possible to write like verbatim what people were saying, so that I would have good quality notes for her. So fast forward to when we could no longer have that same work schedule. Like I said, I had been listening to all these podcasts, specifically Luann's mostly just trying to learn as much as I possibly could about interior design and the industry and how people run their businesses. And I was constantly hearing all these people coming on saying that they needed help, but they didn't quite know how to hire. And, you know, there's just that kind of that period of growth where you need the extra help to keep your sanity. But at the same time, you're not quite in the position to bring somebody on full time. And I was just like, well, I could be that person because you know, this lady, she needs that help, but she doesn't need me like all the time. And she can't be the only one who needs this. So that was where the idea was born. What made you decide to just focus on the interior design world? I've just always loved it. And the funny thing is, I mean, like a lot of people, when you listen to these shows is I just never imagined that could possibly be a career choice. My family's very practical, I guess it'd be the best way to put it. And so it was just like, you're going to go to school, you're going to get a college degree, and you're going to find a job, and you're going to stay there forever, and you're going to get a good retirement. And like, that's what you're going to do. That That's what makes sense. So the idea of actually doing something like interior design was just not even something I considered. It was a hobby. And then once I realized this is actually a job, it's not just people or things that people do on TV. Then I was like, well, this is a passion of mine. I really love it. I like creating beautiful environments. I want to work from home so I can be with my son more. And so it was just a blend of all these things that I was looking for and that I really love. 
I totally hear you about not knowing that it could be a possible career choice because I'm 51. I just turned 51 in May. And when I was in high school, nobody ever told me, hey, (laughs) you're creative. This could be something, you know, I had no idea. It wasn't until I was in my, until I think HGTV came around that I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) People get paid to do this? Yeah. I remember like my stepsister and I, we would sit and watch the trading spaces reruns for like ever. And we would do trading spaces of our bedrooms, which we shared a bedroom, but it was <laughs> the guest house. And so we would like divide the room in half and decorate each other's sides of the house, like <laughs> silly stuff like that. But it just never dawned on me. I mean, my background is in psychology and even that people are like, so what kind of job are you going to do with that? Like that doesn't seem very practical. Oh, psychology has you set up perfectly to deal with crazy ass designers, <laughs> me being one of them. No, the designers are good. Uh huh. <laughs> Aren't you sweet? <laughs> That's the funny part about it, though, is I've been on both sides. I've gotten to experience, you know, how designers approach the client and working with a client and, you know, getting to work directly with the designer. And it's definitely so much calmer working with the designer versus that designer to client relationship. Oh, well, I imagine that is absolutely the case. Okay, so first of all, before we kind of dive down into the nitty gritty, as I like to say, help me in my Darla mind to understand, because like I mentioned, we had discussed the possibility of working with a virtual designer before, and we decided to end up Uh, hiring someone full-time in-house, our lead designer. So tell me logistically how working with a virtual designer is even possible. And then we'll go from there. I was listening to the last episode that you guys had, or I think it was the last one, and she does renderings. I can't remember her name. And it was funny. Kelly Fridline. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because I was listening to your questions with her and I could tell you're just like, what? This makes no sense. (laughs) yeah sorry I'm a little hard-headed sorry (laughs) so I approach it from a couple different ways so with the virtual assistant with design uh, luckily you know there's all these digital tools that we use now anyway to track our business like we've got Pinterest Ivy Mydoma and so I utilize a lot of that to help designers get on board with working with me so to give sourcing for example I have access to trade sources. I primarily use like Designer Inc. or Habitatory, different buying groups to where I can have access to those trade sources to select those particular items for designers. Obviously, can do retail too. And how I present that to designers is through Pinterest. So how a designer would present that same information to me is also through Pinterest or whatever design board they have. So to give an example of how it would start, typically... We would start with the survey that's on my website. And with that, I have kind of the common questions that I would ask or common details that somebody might leave out when they're passing that information along to me. Because the hard part with designers a lot of times is you're so close to the project. And I know for me, it's more emotionally driven. Like you're kind of thinking about how you're feeling when you're walking through this space and how you want it to feel towards the end which is not always something that people are conveying in words when they're sending this job along. So those are the type of questions I have in there. What are the color schemes we're going with? What are the textures you want to see in the space? How do you want the space to feel? I think the actual question I have in there is like, what is the vibe you're going for? And I found a lot of times when I'm working on a project, I'll name it something like 
boho chic or something. I don't think I've ever done a project that actually has that name, but for an example, (laughs) it's a good one. Just so I have an idea when I'm selecting the items, I go back and like, okay, does that fit? Is that boho chic? Mm, No. Okay. We're just going to scrap that. Okay, so wait, before you go on, wait, 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 yeah, yeah. wait, I hate to interrupt you. Okay, so before you go on, just so because you again, hard headed, I want to make sure I'm understanding. Okay, You're fine. so this questionnaire, what you want the vibe, what you want the color? How do you want it to feel? Are, are we doing boho chic? And you're sourcing this, you do this for each project? Uh huh. Okay, with a designer. Okay, please continue. And then I have a harder question. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if it's a designer that I work with regularly, then a lot of times we don't necessarily need to do that survey because I'm already familiar with their style, those vendors that they like to use. So then, you know, it becomes kind of second nature. It's like, okay, I already know kind of the feel that they usually like to go for. So are they just giving you the feel and the type of vibey they want to feel and you're just kind of running with it, like the floor plan and the design? Or are they saying, okay, here's the rough design. This is kind of what I would like to see. Flesh it out. All different levels. So sometimes I'll have projects where they're just like, hey, you know, I've worked with this client before. Right now I have bigger projects going on. I want to take care of this client, but I really don't have time to put them in the forefront of my attention. So then they'll hand it off and they might show like some of the past designs that they've done. And they're just like, hey, can you please source this, 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 and this for this room? We're trying to complete it. And so then I can hit the round running. I can do a full collection. Or sometimes it's just somebody wants a few accessories to round out the space. Or they're just wanting the primary furniture, but they already have some accessories. It can really start from any direction. Typically, when I'm starting, I'll do an hour. Like if this is a new designer that I haven't worked with before, I'll source for about an hour. I'll provide as many selections as I can in that time. And then I'll send them the link to the Pinterest board and then ask them, like, hey, does this look like what you're wanting? Does this look like I'm going in the right direction or do we need to change? And I think like one time they've been like, whoa, that wasn't quite what I was saying. Okay, so when a designer says... Brittany, here's my space. Here's the room. What do we have to provide to you? Just very basic sauce here. So I have a room here in Miami, uh, let's just say a living room design. Brittany, can you do it? Okay, I'm assuming that I have to give you more than that. <laughs> what, what do you need from me? <laughs> so what I always say is the more information that you have, the better, right? So if you have a floor plan, if you have fabric samples, if you have pictures of the space, All of that's great because that's going to help me get a better feel of the area. So whatever you have is best. The easiest way to submit it is if you have Dropbox and you have all that stuff saved in a file, then you provide me the Dropbox link and then I have access to all that information. Usually what people will do is they'll have a Pinterest board that they've already started and they'll invite me to it and then I can see the selections that they've already made or It might just be ideas that they have for this space. They might not have made selections yet, but then we can go from there. I always start my own Pinterest board, though, so I don't clutter up your ideas. Right. Does a designer necessarily give you like their logins for forehands, article, interiors, any of that? Or do you do all the sourcing on your end? Both ways. A lot of times I'll start it just using my login information depending on how much they purchase or how much they use a specific vendor or which route they're going to go, they might get different pricing. So I generally use that as kind of an estimate. Like if they're saying our budget's around here, then I use my logins as an estimate. If we're actually doing purchasing, then they'll give me their logins. 
Okay, so this does sound pretty Darla proof that, you know, I could be here in Miami and hire you in, where are you? Sorry. In <laughs> Terrebonne, Oregon. Okay. Oh, goodness gracious. It's okay. Little. Now that there isn't a more extreme example of distance and remote working. Literally coast to coast, like south to north. <laughs> it really is. So that actually does sound very workable to send you some measurements. So is this something, let's just talk about maybe not your firm in particular, but let's talk about the benefit of hiring a virtual assistant for your design business because the designers listening or maybe there's some out there thinking, man, I'm getting a little overwhelmed, it's time to hire, or maybe even they're thinking, you know, I have a couple of people on staff, but do I want to branch out into doing some e-design or something like that? In your experience with the designers that you've worked with, how has hiring a virtual assistant helped them with their interior design business? And let's be honest, the bottom line, because we all want to make more money. Right. So one of the best parts about hiring virtual assistant is you do have the opportunity to bring in multiple people in their zone of genius. So for example, one of the designers that I work with the most, like she's kind of my primary, she has myself and two other ladies. And purpose of that is she has me for her PRs, you know, POs, invoicing, orders. And then I do her order tracking as well. And I do her sourcing and reason being one of the other gals had done her sourcing, but our styles just kind of blend a little better. So it made a little more sense for me to do it. And then one of the other VAs, she does all of her scheduling and email management. So then when an email comes in, then that VA will look at it and say, okay, this needs to go on to Brittany, or this needs to go on to this other assistant or this is just something we need to file for this designer. And then, of course, if it's something that they need to schedule, like if we need to do a furniture delivery, anything like that. And then the other girl, she goes through and it's more on the bookkeeping side. So she makes sure that the receipts are matching up and everything's coming full circle. Justified. Right. Is there any time where hiring a virtual assistant would trump hiring an in-house employee, in-house designer, or in-house assistant? What do you think the benefits are to going virtual? No unemployment. <laughs> no unemployment. <laughs> yeah, <there's that. laughs> no this tax, no that tax. True, true. <laughs> yeah, Let me help you there. Let me help you, Brittany. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I mean, it really, ultimately, it depends on your needs. You know, of course, it's hard to find somebody with longevity when you're looking for maybe 10 hours a week or even less. Like, for example, the VA that I use, which is also the one that works with this other designer, um, she does email management for me. So that is her primary duty is to do my email management and then kind of run off tasks. Like if I'm needing graphic design, if I need some research done, I don't need her more than that. So the 10 hours that she works for me each month is good. That's what I need. I just need someone to kind of organize my thoughts. So to find someone for 10 hours a month, nobody's typically going to come to your business for that. That's a good point because you can't keep someone for just 10 hours a week or a month on your payroll. That They're going to skedaddle. Right. I think a virtual assistant having a virtual assistant is just the best ever. <laughs> You, yeah, you have to hook us up with the email, the email one. I'm totally interested in that. Okay, Brittany, so how robust is your virtual assistant agency? If I wanted to come to you and say, do all my e-design, are you game? Do you have a team? Let's talk about that. Yeah, so 
the funny thing about this, I've kind of done a couple different evolutions. So I've actually hired people to work with me. That's how I started this year. That was my goal. Actually, I was like, I'm going to bring somebody on for like, I think our goal was 25 hours a month. Like she was a local girl who we were just kind of testing the waters with. And I realized I'm not in love with being the boss. I don't like managing other people. I really just like to manage myself because I have this terrible tendency of like, well, they should just do it. They should just know. And not that she was bad by any means. It was just she realized interior design was not for her. Like she didn't love the world as much as she thought she would. For me, like I said, I just didn't love interior design. So how I approach it now is instead I am just going to be bringing on a few designers. And so I've redone my packages to where it's a minimum of 10 hours a month up to 50 hours a month. So the goal is that max at any time, I would only be working with 10 interior designers. And the reason I've changed to that is so that I feel like I can provide better service to the interior designers that choose to work with me because I'm going to get to better know their business. And I find that I just, it's hard for me to get as invested when I'm just doing one-off projects. To counterbalance that, because a lot of designers have mentioned maybe they do just need that one-off project. They're not really looking for someone to help them all the time, or maybe they're just looking for renders and they're not needing help with the other stuff. That's where that Facebook community comes in. So the MDA Collective, where it's a place for interior designers and virtual assistants so that we can together be building our businesses. But then when somebody needs help, then there's that option there. They can ask for help and there's someone that they've already been communicating with in the group. So they're not just blindly entering into a business contract. So Brittany, you and I did talk about the Facebook community off there, but I don't think we've mentioned it yet. So just say the name again and tell the listeners where they can find that. Uh, It's the MTA Collective Community. And you can find that on my Facebook page. So it's my design assistant on Facebook. And then there's a community link in there. Hey there, Wingnuts. Do you love doing your own social media, but just don't have a sound strategy in place? Are you just throwing images at the wall, hoping they stick to your ideal client? Well then, Natalie and I are super excited to tell you about our Wingnut Social Strategy Package. One of our expert social media wingnuts will help you discover your goals, analyze your current performance, build your customized social marketing plan, and coach you on the implementation. It's a tremendous value, and you can find out more by going to wingnutsocial.com services or by giving us a call at 1-877-WINGNUT. Again, that's wingnutsocial.com services or 1-877-WINGNUT. Now, back to the show. How do you keep up on the latest trends? I mean, do you visit High Point? Do you read magazines? Because you're just a virtual assistant, you're not in a studio, so you don't get all the mailings and what all the... What do you mean the, she's just well, a virtual assistant? I, Bite your tongue. Okay, I'm, please don't take any offense to that, <laughs> but you, you see what I'm trying... Your boots are not on the ground, Darla. <laughs> so how do you stay up on that? Do you visit High Point or... Yeah, do you get out in the world or yeah, are you sheltered you like a hermit in your house? Um, so I am pretty sheltered as far as actually going to High Point or Vegas Market. Those are goals. Haven't done it yet, primarily because the baby. Um, so my goal, I think, is probably next year I would like to do Vegas just because then baby will be a little bit older. So how I keep on top of things, 
really, I feel because I do so much sourcing, like that's probably one of my number one things that I do, which is funny because when I started, it was floor plans and renders all the time. Like that was like all I did. And then it's changed. So now I'd say it's probably like 75% sourcing and product procurement and then some renders and floor plans on the side. So that helps me to be familiar with kind of the new products that are coming on. Right. That's a huge pain point for interior designers is the sourcing of the products. And I could see why that's such a 75% of what you're doing right now, because Johanna and I will sit here and we'll just stare at our screens going over product, all these vendors till our eyes are rolled back in our heads. So that, man, you're hired. I, I'm going to... Oh, Ellen Danik better take a drink. Darlo's Darlo's doing something else here. Oh, yeah. We go crazy. I remember one day, especially when we first started, we first hired Johanna and we had the design firm going. We spent like eight hours trying to source a rug. One rug for our Brickle project. Oh, God. We were were laughed about it. We were like, we cannot charge the client for this. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. Painful. Painful. In reality... With it, you know, by hiring me or another virtual assistant, we're not emotionally connected to that project, right? Like we don't have this grand vision of what we're trying to achieve with it necessarily. We're getting the facts from you. Like I want this type of pattern with these colors and this is the look that we're going for. So then when I go to source that rug, then I provide you options that match the criteria that you've provided and it takes that emotionalness, if that's a word. <laughs> it takes the emotion out of it. So then you're not sitting there for eight hours looking for the perfect rug. Like you found <laughs> this rug that it works, like this fits in the design. And the client's never going to know the difference of was that eight hours worth it? Would the client really notice the difference that you spent on that? Johanna and I still laugh about that. It was <laughs> it was sad. What a sad day though. <laughs> We were like, wow, if we had to charge the client for that, that would be ridiculous. And I'm sure that if, what if we, okay, here's a, we have a room, we have a living room in Florida. Here's the floor plan. Here's the measurements. Here's the style. The budget is $20,000. Would that be enough information for you? Yes, Ashley. I still want to know a little bit more about the client. So for the most part, you know, if I have the floor plan, I have the budget, the style, those are all good starting points, but I need to know. Do you have colors in mind? Do you have wood finishes in mind? Like, for example, you know, if you do a cherry versus an oak, like that could look so different. So then that's going to impact the type of stuff that I choose, right? Because it may not go with the house at all. So those are the type of things I need to know. And that's exactly what a lot of people leave off. Like I've noticed a lot of times it seems hard to get like the metal finishes from somebody. So I'll ask, well, what kind of metal finish are you looking to use in this space? Because if we have chrome everywhere, then a bronze would be kind of a random selection and it could work. But (laughs) so then if I'm selecting all of this stuff that I have in my head that works and then they're like, oh no, none of that works. But if I have a hard time getting those type of answers from somebody or if they're just kind of wishy-washy about it, then typically I'll make selections that have multiple finishes just to ensure like, okay, if they like the shape, they like the price, then we have flexibility with the finish. I like that idea. Is there ever a circumstance where you might have to talk to a client or is that like a no-no? You always just talk straight with a designer. 
98% of the time, I only talk to the designer. And that's honestly a lot of times because a lot of designers don't necessarily want to share that they work with me. I'm kind of like their dirty little secret. Sure. You would be. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Which is totally fine. Like, I don't mind that at all. So they're not really telling their client that they're working with me because there's that fear that if the client finds out, then the client's not going to see the same value in the work, which makes sense. Like some people might feel that way. Yeah. I okay. I understand that, and I agree. I do that. I, I would hope. definitely keep you a dirty secret. Sorry. Yes. No. But I have. I have a. <laughs> I have a question a little bit on the admin side of it, and I hope that if you don't want to answer it, you don't have to. But as far as hiring you, like let's say Darla's example of you have a living room in South Florida. Here's twenty thousand dollars. What's your timeline turnaround? Like what's I'm, tr- I'm trying to That's say a good this idea. right. Like if we invest in in your services to do this for us, how long does it take you to do a room like that? Standard, I usually request a week turnaround. So what I tell people is it's not necessarily concrete, you know, could be faster. It might be a little bit longer depending on the workload that I already have. But safe assumption is a week. And as far as the monetary value behind that, what would you charge a designer for that room, for that design. Oh, now uh, we're getting into a can right, of worms. Yeah, that's I, I know it's tricky. a can of worms. That's where it gets tricky. But I'm wondering, do designers say, hey, wait, we need this help. They hire you as a virtual assistant. But then do they upcharge you to their client? You have to. Oh, yeah. yeah. But I'm just saying, okay, but I, I'm just trying to get a, a ballpark figure here. You went right for it. Well, I'm curious. I got to know if this might work. Come on now. <laughs> this is a legitimate <laughs> question and one I get asked all the time. So no problem at all. And what I always say, first of all, it depends on how many items we're selecting. Like if I'm just doing the basic furniture for the space, you know, maybe we're doing a sofa and some chairs and some end tables. Typically, that just takes me a couple hours, like maybe two three hours tops. It's usually not much more than that. If it's something where we're selecting the whole room, we're doing accessories, it does get more. But usually when we're doing something like that, we're breaking it up into stages, I guess, if that makes sense. So it's hard to say like overall, it's not typically all billed at once. So you just charge hourly. Is it like a retainer type situation? And you tell the design, okay. Okay. And you're like, okay, you have on your 10 hour block, you have two hours left, you might want to re-up. Exactly. So this system, how it works right now is when you sign up for a package, it is a three month commitment reason being so I can, you know, allot my time to fit the person in and then also kind of predict what the next few months are going to look like. And then with that, just like you said, so I bill any hours that I use against that retainer. And then we go from there. If we go over, it just is billed against the next month. And then if we still have overage at the end of the three months, then you receive a bill. So what would your best advice be to the designers listening when they're looking for a virtual assistant? Because you can't handle them all. We have thousands of listeners. (laughs) You're only going to take 10. So I think we're going to get some spillover here from designers looking for virtual assistants. What would you tell them to look for in a design assistant? First of all, it doesn't necessarily have to be a design assistant, which I did hear you at the end there. It could just be a virtual assistant. I would say first look at the stuff that's tripping you up the most. So reason I went with email management first is quite honestly, like my emails stress me out. It was such a 
easy thing to hand off because I was reading all these different articles about how I could arrange my inbox to better suit me. And then it was just like, there's somebody who does this as a job. Like this is their thing. Like they can do that because they're good at it and I'm not. So that's what she does. She comes in and she has these categories. And the fantastic thing about it is all my emails after they get to a certain date, then everything's filed by client folder. So not only is it filed by like the time that I need to get back to it, but then it's also filed based off of who I'm communicating with. So that's just one example. Obviously, I kind of went on a tangent there. But I would just say, like, <laughs> look at what you really need. What is bothering you? If you don't like floor plans, then look at that as a place to start to hand things off. Or if you want to add renderings into your business, if you're needing help maintaining all the communication that's coming in, then maybe email management or a scheduler would be good for you. Or, you know, if you're looking for product sourcing or just kind of help tying up those projects, like one of the designers that I spoke with last week, she's like, the problem is that we have design assistants, they work on the project, but then they lose steam at the end and they're just kind of done and they're ready to move on to the next project. So that's where they're looking at bringing me in is kind of, okay, well, our design assistants are done, they're over it and they want to move on to this new project. So then you'll be here to kind of bring in those finishing touches. Okay, so look for your pain points and look for the designer that can address that pain point in their services. And, you know, everybody is different. There's we are all human beings, you might have to kiss a frog or two, but not not you, of course, you're perfect. But you're going to be booked very soon here. Can you tell my husband that? Oh, I'm sure he already knows. And just last real quick, before we get into the what up wingnut round, how are you marketing your services, your B2B services to interior designers? What channels are you using mostly? So that's the funny thing is I've only ever paid for marketing twice. I've done a Facebook ad like once when I first started. And then I did a sponsorship for the Kate show. But aside from that, all I do is my newsletter and Instagram. Okay. Yeah. And are you pretty prolific with your Instagram? Are you, pre- are you on there a lot? I think you are, right? I'm on there a lot. I'm not going to lie. I'm not good at it. I'm... pretty not great at Instagram. Social media is not an intuitive thing for me. And I just, I get so flustered with it. And I show up because I pay attention to the numbers. And I notice that when I stop showing up, I do stop getting inquiries. Well, you know, you might want to hire a virtual assistant for your Instagram. (laughs) Hey, I've seen your guys' thing. And then I'm just like, I don't even know what I want from my social media. I think that's what I need too. Ah, We could could definitely help you figure that out. That is what we excel at. Somebody to tell me what I want. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, your husband's supposed to do that. (laughs) All right. Brittany, thank you for your tips as far as hiring a virtual assistant and virtual design assistant. You have given me food for thought. And I'm going to get your email virtual assistant here when the show's over. But now I have to ask you if you're ready for the What Up Wingnut round. Now it's time for What Up Wingnut. Wingnut. I am ready, I think. (laughs) Brittany Elms, if you were a tree, what kind of tree would you be and why? So I just picked the tree that I like the most. And I really like aspen trees. We have a bunch of them side of our house. I don't really know what is the front of our house. It's kind of a funky layout. Anyway, I just like that they're so tall and they're so pretty and I love their colors in the fall. So I would like to say I'm an Aspen, but 
I'm not tall or anything like that. So I don't know <laughs> if I would like qualify as an ass. No, you qualify. It's it's more of a spiritual question. And you, congratulations, you're our first Aspen tree. Oh. Did you know that? Yeah, see, that was a very good answer. Do you have like a most popular tree? Oak. Really? Oak is our most popular by far. Yep. So there, look at you're just a rare little snowflake. <laughs> <laughs> what would the hashtag on your tombstone be? Hashtag finally sleeping. <laughs> Especially after a little baby, right? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> if you could have only one superpower, what would it be and why? It would be to freeze time. And I'd freeze it when everybody was sleeping so I could get all of my work done for the day. And then I'd unfreeze it so I could play with my kids. And then I feel like it's kind of a selfish waste of a superpower. So I'd probably freeze it, too, so I could like go around and do nice things for people. So I get my philanthropic <laughs> goodies out of it, too. I love it. That's a terrific answer. And last but not least, please recommend a book that has had a profound effect on you, either personally or professionally. So I do have a book in mind, and it's not design related at all. So as I mentioned before, my degree is in psychology, and that was kind of like where my passion was for the longest time. I was convinced I was going to be a marriage and family counselor. And then once I got my bachelor's, I was just like, whoa, no more school. Like I'm done with it. And I just can't possibly go that far in education. So most of the books that I read for quite some time were all kind of psych based. And the one that I selected was The Boy Who Is Raised as a Dog. Have you heard of it? No. Well, that sounds interesting. Tell us a little bit about it. Who's the author? Oh, that I don't know. But if you Google it, you'll find <laughs> it. I can't remember his name. Okay. He's a psychologist. He was actually a child psychologist. And it's a compilation of his case studies. So different people that he's worked with, different children. And I mean, it's heartbreaking. It's It's pretty tragic because these kids have been through some awful, awful things. And the whole purpose of it is it was kind of he was working in child psychology at a time when there wasn't really child psychology. Like everybody just kind of assumed kids are resilient. They'll get over it. Like this thing that happened to them when they're children is totally fine. Like this isn't going to affect them. When in reality, what happens to us as kids hugely affects us as adults, right? Like it can kind of shape who we become. There's the one story, the boy who was raised as a dog, which that one, the grandmother had passed away. So then this poor little boy is left with his grandmother's husband, who is a dog breeder, I believe. And he takes the boy to the authorities and says, hey, I don't know how to raise a kid. I have no business raising a kid. I don't know what to do with him. And they say, hey, you know, we'll figure it out. Just take him home. Well, they never get back to him. And this is no excuse for his behavior whatsoever. But he ends up keeping the boy in a cage like his dogs. I could see why that had a big impact on you from a personal level. And that's called The Boy Who Was Raised as a Dog and Other Stories from a Child Psychiatrist Notebook. And that's by Bruce D. Perry. Yes. Because I did Google it. I don't know if I want to add that one to my audible cue. I think it sounds so sad, but I'm sure that there's uh, some terrific life lessons in it. Yeah. Because you're right. What does happen in our childhood, woo, you do carry it with you. Brittany Elms, please tell the listeners where they can find you and your amazing services and say your Facebook group again. So my Facebook group is the MDA Collective, and you can find the link to that on my Facebook page just by putting in my design assistant. 
I'm on Instagram at my design assistant business. And I'm on Twitter, but I'm not going to lie, never go on there. So don't go there. <laughs> Nobody does. <laughs> yeah. Just, I need to kind of one and done with that whole social media thing. That's all my attention span can do. And then also I am creating the directory that will hopefully be launched in September, beginning of September. And the goal of that is to be adding in virtual assistants so that interior designers have a place to go to find different creative VAs that will hopefully kind of make it a little less scary to bring on that virtual assistant. Okay, so that sounds like a great idea. I think I'm going to creep that group. Brittany, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today and giving us all these great tips on hiring a virtual assistant. Thank you so much for having me. It was awesome. And you know, Darla's going to creep it. Watch out. <laughs> creep away. Natalie Ingram. Yes, I'm. I think I see now how a virtual assistant could feasibly work. I'm still kind of like... Mm, I like the idea of having Johanna in the space and having her be able to measure and see it, have the boots on the ground, as I said. But I, it seems like a virtual assistant that had their stuff together could probably do an amazing job as well. And it would definitely be cost effective. Well, that's kind of my angle. I mean, obviously, Johanna's not going anywhere, but if mm -hmm. we got busy. No, and, not if we can help it. Yeah, if we got busy. And I guess if the busier you get, if you want to farm some of that out, it kind of sounds like a no-brainer. And I'm really concerned here that Ellen Danick doesn't listen to these in the real time on the days that we record, because if she would listen to this on the days <laughs> that we record, she would not be able to get up off the ground as much drinking as she would have to do, because you are jumping on an email assistant now. <laughs> you want to hire a design assistant from the podcast we did earlier. You're going to do a licensing deal. You're, you, there was a lot of things that you were going to do today. Yeah, Ellen Danik in our drinking game. Every yes. time that I get an actionable tip or I want to take action on a guest's recommendation, she says we should take a shot. So, Ellen, we would be under the table. Yes, <laughs> it is a good thing that, that Ellen doesn't listen to this in real time. But on a serious note, I really do think a design a virtual assistant would work. I do too. I do think a virtual assistant would work. And I am tempted to just shoot Brittany a little email after this on, on the next project that we have going Drink, on. Ellen. Because, you know, it's the time of year now. Gosh, in August, actually late August, September, October, where everybody's done with their summer vacation. All the kids are back in school. And it's usually after Labor Day is when it starts coming in. Yeah. And they, want, they just say, okay, I'm ready now. I didn't want anything for the last two months. Now hurry up and have my project, my whole house done by Christmas. <laughs> that sounds about right. That does sound about <laughs> right. From here to like about March, it just crazy pants. Yes, it so is. Yeah. So Brittany. Well, sorry, keep, Brittany. Keep your ringer turned on. I think we're going to be reaching out. And I think a few other designers here might be reaching out too. So leave that ringer on. <laughs> okay, guys, don't forget to come visit us at the Risa Talk on October 16th in Broward. And the website where you can register for that will be in the show notes. And also at the Mydoma Chandra Rugs Talk with me and my Nicole Heimer. Me and Nicole. Senior. Nic Nicole Heimer, Nicole Senior, no like interest, <laughs> on October 19th at High Point Market. And again, that link to register for that or to RSVP, really. You can, I mean, listen, you can crash the party. Ain't nobody going to kick you out. You just might have to stand. That's okay. But you, you can, won't have one of them little old sleet warmers. One of them butt warmers, but you can get whiskey. And if you guys like this podcast, I get so many DMs every day saying, we love your podcast. You guys are funny. You're very entertaining. And I've learned a lot. 
take just a minute to leave us a review on iTunes or whatever the hell you're listening to the show on because it really does help the algorithms over there and helps expose our podcast to new potential listeners who also might appreciate the craziness that we put out. And be sure to follow us on social at Wingnut Social. And if you're struggling with your social media marketing like Brittany, Brittany, give us a call. Maybe we could work something out. Give us a call. There you go. Here you go, Brittany. Write this number down at one eight seven seven wingnut or send us an email to info at wingnutsocial.com and we would be happy to do your marketing for you. And we don't just do social media. We do SEO, we do blogging, we do newsletters, we do all things that you need to get your interior design business off the ground and running. But we keep it a secret. Like the doctor, it's the HIPAA law. We don't let other people know we do it. It's like we're the dirty secret for social media. Let us be your dirty secret. (laughs) I think that's another industry. I think that's, yes. Let's, weren't you talking about a stripper pole last time? Uh, Darla, this has really digressed a lot. This has. And we've really gotten down to our base, just base level. People are going to see how insane we really are. All right. I think that's it for this week. Natalie, are you ready to go in the pool? I'm ready for a drink. Oh, and then the pool. Yes. All right. So long. See ya. You've reached the end of this episode of Wingnut Social, but that's only your first step. Be sure to head to wingnutsocial.com to reach out to us directly and schedule your free consultation with one of our Wingnut Social Media Specialists to take your business from social mediocre to social media master. We'll see you on the next episode of Wingnut Social, your social media tightly fastened. But if you have a virtual assistant and they have several, whoop, we got a baby. Aww. Yes, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> That's it. I think we're done. Okay. Natalie, you want to say thank you? Yes, thank you. <laughs> I just was waiting. I was just waiting, letting you wrap that up. There in the panhandle, not the panhandle. Darla, did wait. you forget where you? Yeah, live? I forgot. Okay, wait. Darla, no, you. Good boy, Mango.